You're listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bowness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church, or service times, or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bowness. How good it is to be here this morning, and I'm particularly excited because today is the last message in our Church Forward series. It's been about 15 weeks. Actually, it's been more because at the beginning we were concertinaing the I Am series in that as well. So this has been a long haul. So you might be celebrating today, like finally we are at the end. Um, But it's so good to be here. And if you remember the first half of this series, we looked at some of those fiery darts the, the things that the enemy might use to distract us, to poke us, to prod us, to put us out of step with the Spirit and kind of compress us and hold us down in our walk. If you knew, and I'm not talking about academic knowledge, if you knew the power at work in you, this town would be utterly different. If I knew that power that was at work in me changes everything. And those ways that the enemy comes were, if you remember, fear, weariness, doubt, indifference, and pride. And these are areas that can just knock us off track. And so then we went on to look at how we arm ourselves against those attacks using the armor that God provides. And so we started off with Andrew bringing his crash helmet. Sorry, fizzy water. (laughs) It's always a bad mix. (laughs) Andrew bringing in his crash helmet and talking about how you just don't want to leave home without that helmet, the helmet of salvation. And then Margaret talked about the belt of truth. Like, you want me to wear this belt today, because otherwise this would be a very different message, okay? The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness I spoke about. Margaret then talked about the shield by which we can actually extinguish those fiery darts, but also lock together the importance of fellowship and togetherness. And then Ian brought the importance of shoes, like don't leave home without your shoes, guys. Because how are you going to like, navigate treacherous terrain without the gospel of peace? And then finally last week, Andrew spoke about the lightsaber of the Spirit, the sword of the Spirit. And a little D.L. Moody quote, which I'm just going to chuck in for free here. D.L. Moody said, a mutilated Bible is a broken sword. How much use is a sword that is broken? Barely any. So we can't afford to mutilate our Bibles by, and Andrew said this last week, picking and choosing the bits that we want or we like or we are comfortable with out of that. And that's it, really. There you have it. There's the armor of God. That's the whole armory. Uh, We're we're equipped now for defense together, but also for attack and moving forward. But actually, there is a little more in this text. And this is the focus of this final message in the series. And let me tell you, it is super important. Super important. I mean, you can underline any of those little bits of armor, but you underline this bit because without it, all the rest falls apart, okay? Paul doesn't conclude with the sword, but he goes on in Ephesians 6, 18 to 20, praying 
at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, the gospel of peace that Ian spoke about, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Now, I'm going to break this two verses, three verses down in a, in a minute, but first, like, I want to just cover why is this so important? And I've got three really quick points. Why is prayer and praying so important? Well, firstly, it's our responsibility to take up the armor of God. Okay, that's on you. I can't clothe you in the armor of God. I can tell you about it. I can show you where it is, but I can't get you to clothe yourself. You need to do that. But this isn't physical armor. It's spiritual armor. And so you can't put it on in a physical way. You need to put it on in a spiritual way, which is prayer. So there's reason number one why prayer is so super important. You can't put the armor on without it. The second thing... Um, Prayer isn't simply another item on the list or another weapon on the list. If it was a weapon, Paul might have said, and finally pick up the javelin of prayer to throw at the enemy, to, you know, attack strongholds or whatever, but he doesn't call it a weapon, even though there were more weapons he could have used, okay? It is prayer, that is, to saturate everything else. It is essential to all else. It empowers all else. In fact, the armor is useless without it. So you can't put the armor on without it, and the armor is useless. Even if you do get it on, it's useless without prayer. And then the third reason, prayer is the open line of communication and logistics from uh, God within this spiritual battle. Okay? Essential in any battle is communication and logistics, okay? It's so important. I mean, how important is the ability to receive instructions, share intelligence, or have provisions supplied? You know, in in 1944, when the Allied forces broke through the, the defences in Normandy and broke out of Normandy and started pursuing and routing the, the German forces back towards Germany. The thing that got them stuck wasn't the resistance of the enemy. It's that they went so fast, so far, that they were ahead of the lines of communication and resupply. And an army that can't be resupplied is dead in the water. And so that held up the war because they went too quickly. They went too fast. What happens, guys, when we run ahead of God in our lives or in the church? And how effective is an army without orders? Now, we don't like orders. We don't like discipline. We don't necessarily like authority. But without it, there's no sense of order. Things quickly fall apart. Like, what would a church be like if everybody just did their own thing as they saw fit? And that's not to say that the orders come from me, the leadership team, or anyone like that. We've got to be hooked in through prayer 
to the Spirit of God to know what he's asking of us as a church and asking of us as individuals as well. Without that, chaos. Okay? So Second World War, again, go back there. The big objective was, like, defeat Hitler, right? That, that was, like, at least in the West, that was the big objective, wasn't it? But what would happen if the generals just stood in front of all the armies and said, right, guys, you're going to go get Hitler. Three, two, one, go. It just it wouldn't have worked. So a big order, a big objective, needs small orders and small objectives in order to get there, each having a part to play. It might not look glorious, but it's part of the whole thing. Okay, that's why prayer is super important. It's essential to the order and the advance and the nourishment or supply of this kingdom army. It's powerful and it's essential. And let me give you a quick disclaimer here because I'm not going to like stop every time I quote somebody or you know, discuss a thought that I've picked up elsewhere. Three or four people have really influenced my thinking here. One is Andrew Murray, like 1700s or whatever, who was uh, a South African uh, missionary who came and studied in, in uh, Edinburgh, I think, and then went back to South Africa. His book, Waiting on God, super um, important. Go, go find it. You can get a free PDF, pretty much, if you search online. Um, Tim Keller, his book on prayer, again, super helpful. Um, really helpful because he admits at the beginning that he and his wife really struggled to pray together. That's his like, introduction. We really struggled to do that. So you're not on your own, guys. And then R.C. Sproul as well. I think I'm pronouncing his name right. Um, his book or pamphlet really, Does Prayer Change Things? His conclusion is yes. <laughs> but maybe not the way that, that we think or would like. And then two other guys, N.T. Wright, his commentary on Ephesians, and also John Stott. Look, prayer is the most powerful and essential of resources that the believer can possibly have. Whatever ways you're gifted, whatever ways you're talented, whatever you have in your toolkit, prayer trumps them all. And without prayer, they're all a bit useless even if they look shiny and beautiful. Prayer has a vital place in the place of every genuine believer, okay, and in the life of this church. Prayer, prayer, prayer. Um, R.C. Ryle actually says that one might pray and not be a Christian, and we see that. You know, put somebody in a bit of hot water, they're going to cry out to, they don't know what, but they're, they're going to pray. But he carries on, one cannot be a Christian and not pray. Now, that might sound scary, and it might make you think, oh, man, am I even a Christian because I don't pray much? Well, bear with, okay, because it might not be exactly as you think it's meant to be. Prayer is intrinsically linked to our spiritual health, individually and as a church. It's intrinsically linked to our identity, to our anxiety levels, to our effectiveness, to our maturity, to our joy to our satisfaction, and to our purpose. That you pray matters. It really matters. Whether it feels like it matters or not, that's the punchline today. You can go through your whole life not feeling it, but do it, because it matters. It does matter. And you'll find out in eternity if you don't find out here and now. Prayer is to the Christian what breath is to life. Simple as that. Shouldn't be an afterthought. It's a primary 
source of strength that permeates every aspect of our lives, like breathing. Sometimes you might find that prayer is difficult. Sometimes breathing might be difficult. Sometimes, you know, if you, you know, go into the bathroom after Andrew, then perhaps you don't want to breathe, <laughs> you know? And sometimes you might feel like that with prayer, like, sorry, mate. Um, I, I, I don't feel like I want to pray. It's not, it's not really connecting with me, but do it anyway, because if you stop, it's the same thing as if you stop breathing. And yet, no duty and no privilege and no powerful weapon of the Christian armory is ever so neglected as prayer. I mean, if we're honest with that, how's your prayer life? Like, if you were to put it on a scale like one to ten, one being, it just doesn't really happen, and ten being, I'm on fire every day, where would you put yourself? Like, don't, don't show me your hands or the fingers, that, you know, because I wouldn't put myself at a ten, ever, you know? But where, where would you put yourself? Just hold that there. But if it's so good and essential, why is it so hard, right? I know that's what you're thinking. Why is it so tough? Why is it such a chore? Like, isn't it sometimes like doing the dishes, emptying the bins, cleaning the bathroom? I mean, I always leave that bit to Jess. I'll do the dishes, but you can sort the bathroom out. You know, is it prayer a bit like that sometimes? I'd rather, just, it feels like I, I know I should do it. I know that my life will be better if it's done. I wish somebody else would do it for me, <laughs> kind of thing. Why do we resist? Because prayer's difficult, right? It can be unyielding, disappointing. I'm just being real with probably how some of you connect with this. You probably question sometimes whether you're doing it right. Do I say the right stuff? Is there a way that I get God's ear that I'm not quite connecting with? Do you struggle with consistency in prayer? You know, what adjective would you use to describe it? Your prayer life, would you say fulfilling or frustrating? Would you say confident or cautious? Would you say abundant or abolished? Like, how would you describe your prayer life? And perhaps some of the things that we do worry, we compare ourselves to other people we hear, Eddie pray, we hear Len pray, we hear me pray, and, and you think, oh, I can't compete with that. I, can't, I don't know how to pray like that, so I'm just not going to, you know, maybe. Or, or maybe you struggle with the routine. You, you have an attention issue, <laughs> like you struggle with attention. Like, I think I've got ADHD. Like, I struggle with attention uh, in that. Maybe it feels like one-way traffic. You know, how many times have you heard the voice of God or even perceived that God was answering you? And, and that can be a reason why we just quit and give up. Or maybe we don't feel or experience what we want or expect to feel or experience. I'm sure there's many more reasons. Again, R.C. Sproul lists a few of these in his book, and they're brilliant. I'm not going to cover them in detail now, but he says there are, he picks out four main reasons, and he says the first one is that we pray in vague generalities. Like if you say, God, we just want the whole town saved. Uh, that, that's like, how do, we, how do we get the joy of seeing that fulfilled? Because the reality is, it's not, you know, people are going to reject Jesus in this town. So, so just praying that, we're setting ourselves up for disappointment straight away, right? But if you can say, God, I pray for my neighbor. I pray that they will find Jesus. And, and you invest your one name person. Like, if your one name person gets saved, how encouraging would that be? And keep doing it. Number two, he says, we're at war with God. Now that... You might 
like get your hackles up to that. I'm not at war with God. But he says, if we're out of harmony with the Spirit of God, like if we're out of step, then we're kind of at war with God because we're trying to pull in a different direction like a child wanting to do what it wants to do, knowing full well that its parents want something else from it, okay? So in that sense, we're kind of at war with God, or maybe sometimes in open rebellion, like I know what you're telling me to do, God, and I'm not doing it. You know, why would we expect God to hear us and answer favorably if that's how we're behaving? That's prayer gets us back in step. That's a key thing. We tend to be impatient. He says, when I ask for patience, I ask for it now. (laughs) You know, how many years of prayer it took before I got saved from people I didn't even know were praying? I didn't get saved because I made a cool decision. It was on the back of something else, prayer, faithfully. And then the other thing is we have short memories. The, the, the saint remembers the gifts of God for a very short time and doesn't hold those. And that's why we say count your blessings. Like, go to God with thanksgiving because you recall all of the things that he's blessed you with. So what should we do with this? I think it's probably good to see what the Bible says about prayer. You know, Simon Andrew talking about the sword of the Spirit being the Word of God last week, so let's go to the Word of God. And it turns out that the Word of God says quite a lot about prayer. It's it's mentioned a few times, you know. Uh, For example, I can't cover them all because we just don't have time for that. A couple, here you are. James 5.13, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Okay, not phone a friend, pray. Okay. Paul says in Romans, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, even when you're in affliction. He says to the Colossians, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. He says to Timothy, therefore I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands without anger or disputing, lift up hands in prayer. Uh, And Jeremiah says, this is God, he's quoting God, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Prayer is seeking God with all of your heart. Okay? Jesus says, therefore, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. There's some caveats to that, okay, that I'm not going to cover right now because it's not like, I really fancy a new Lexus, so I'm just going to ask for it, claim it, and that's mine. That's not what I'm saying. Because James adds, you don't have because you don't ask. And when you do ask, you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives. And the the final thing I'd say there is that Jesus, when the disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray, he says, when you pray. He doesn't say if. Hey, guys, if you, if you want to have a crack at this, try this. He says, when you pray, assuming they already are doing that, this is what it's all about, okay? So let's have a quick look and see what Paul is talking about in the, this passage here in Ephesians 6, 18 to 20. And actually, bless Paul, he's kindly worked this into four nice points for me, okay? All around the word all, okay? So look at this. If you could pop it up there, perfect. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance for all the saints, 
So all times, all types of prayer, all perseverance for everyone, for all the saints. Boom, done, finished. Band, come back up. That, that word all, he's, he's meaning like every, everything, inclusive, like total, complete, ceaseless, daily, whole, consistently, continuous and unbroken. So firstly, at all times. He says in Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. Now obviously, he's not saying, like, how do you do that without ceasing? You, you can't. You can't, without ceasing, go, dear Lord, and then, and then, amen. So there's something more to prayer. That's a type of prayer. It's not the whole of prayer, okay? In all seasons, all occasions, without ceasing, continuously, unbroken, in every situation, Philippians 4, in every situation, pray. But, but how can I maintain that? How, how do you live like that? Martin Luther said that he prayed regularly for an hour a day. And when he was busy, he prayed for two hours. Now that sounds, like you can put that up on the screen. Everyone's like, yeah, that's great. I'm going to go try doing that. And when it's really busy, I'll get up an hour earlier and give myself two hours to pray. But that's, I, I think that's important. I, I think it's important to give yourself space and time, particularly in the morning when you're fresh in the day. Like morning and evening, great. But, but that's not the whole picture. And I think if we focus prayer to be this quiet time or, or this type of thing when I'm doing this or when I'm with this prayer meeting or whatever, then we miss the reality of the wholeness of what prayer is. There was a kid's song we were taught when I was at school. I don't know if you know it. I'm not going to sing it, but the line was, prayer is like a telephone for us to call our maker. Prayer is like a telephone. That's ridiculous. I'm sorry if you wrote that. It's not one of yours, is it? So <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's, it assumes then, or it tells kids, that, that God's not really listening or observing or anything, and they've got no communication with God until they do this magic formula, ring, ring, ring. And that's, that's clearly not right, okay? It might be part of it, like, I'll phone Jess, I won't phone her when I'm sat next to her because that's just weird. So it's more. Keith Green, here's a better lyric for you. I make my life a prayer to you. My life. Again, it's like breathing in and out. Andrew Murray says that, that um, waiting on God is just as indispensable and must be just as continuous and unbroken as breathing that maintains the man's natural life. So sunshine or rain, plenty or in need, fear or confidence, strong or weak, feel it or feel nothing, sick or, well, confused or assured, like victorious or struggling, in doubt or in certainty, in peace or under threat, pray, pray, pray. With many words, with few words, with no words, Pray, pray. And you don't even have to be good at it. Because check the next bit of that verse, in the spirit. What does Paul say about that? He says in uh, Corinthians that the spirit himself intercedes on our behalf. 
So get rid of that fear of doing it wrong. It shouldn't stop us from praying, publicly or privately. It should not stop us as the Spirit himself gets involved. And I think what happens here, and my friend R.C. Sproul agrees with me here, is that what the Spirit does is he takes our sometimes immature, sometimes poorly worded prayers, and, and he repackages them properly, knowing our hearts and knowing the will of the Father, and he rewrites our prayer as it goes to Father in heaven. How great is that? Stop worrying about what you're going to say, because the Spirit himself is going to say it for you. I, when I was just recently saved, not recently, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I've been a pastor for three years, I got saved last week, but when I was saved, and it was recent after that, I was so afraid, because I, I was a chef, foul mouth, Gordon Ramsay, kitten compared to me, okay, uh, potty mouth, like every other word was something that could not be repeated. And I was so scared when I became a Christian that if I was praying out loud in public, I might accidentally swear. And like, what would everyone think? He's not saved. Like, honestly, do you think that the Spirit can handle that? Do you think he's concerned with the words or do you think he's concerned with the heart? So pray. And the other reason this is good is because if it's about being in the Spirit, it's not about me. It's not about what I think. It's not about how I feel or what I want from this. It's not about my thoughts, my opinions, or the desires of my flesh. Not about give me a better house or a better job or a better car. You know, I'm not saying it's wrong to pray for those things, but check the heart. Why are we coming to that? And also, very quickly, there's a link between praying in the Spirit and the sword of the Spirit. If you don't know what to pray, pray Scripture. Read the Psalms. Say, read it, and then just go, please, Lord, amen. <laughs> That's a prayer. Re read some of the apostles' prayers through these epistles and books. You know, re read the beginning of Ephesians where Paul prays, and I'll come to that right at the end, okay? Long, short, simple, complex. Uh, you might think that Jesus, when he was saying about, you know, don't be like the pagans with their repetitions and babbling words, maybe that means that I shouldn't do a big, long prayer publicly. But Jesus isn't saying that. Because go read what he says in John 17. That's a long prayer. So he's not saying, keep it short, guys. <laughs> like, keep it down to one sentence kind of thing. Because he prays a long, wordy prayer. Paul prays ridiculously long, wordy prayers without commas sometimes. It doesn't even stop for breath. So it's not about technique. It's about intent. The next thing is with all perseverance, okay? So I've already said, not just when we feel like it, but persevere, particularly. I don't need to persevere when it's easy. Like if I'm running, don't laugh. If I'm running, okay, like at the start, I don't need to persevere. Like, I, I can do this. I, I'm on it. Don't laugh at my flappy way of running, by the way. I can do this. But, but in an hour's time, <laughs> yeah, 10 minutes, five minutes, um, <laughs> I'll be exhausted. And then if I want to keep going, I need to persevere. So you don't need to persevere when praying comes easy to you. You need to persevere when it gets hard, okay? And actually, if you don't feel his presence, you know, keep pushing through, keep pushing through. But feeling his presence is not the goal of prayer. It's, it's a great bonus. 
I love it. it. When I'm anxious, and that's more often than you would know, like just sitting, if I can in my garden, and just resting in God, using all the tools that I know he's given me until, until my heart rests. Sometimes it's not, it doesn't seem possible, okay? I don't have long enough to, you know, before that will happen, but I guarantee, actually, it's surefire. If you can rest in God, you will find your way to peace. That's not to say that you'll never be anxious again. It's to say whenever you're anxious, persevere, persevere, persevere. When it's tough, when it's unrewarding, when it's tiring, when heaven seems silent, when you've been asking the same thing for years, keep going, keep going, keep going, because prayer's not just about finding answers or getting resources or feeling close. It's also about being transformed by the renewing of our minds. That's really the main goal. Your will be done, your kingdom come. I know I've put that the wrong way around, but you get the idea. That's the goal of prayer, that you may increase and I may decrease. That's the goal of prayer. Do you mind if I just finish up these last couple of points? Uh, nobody's going to go, no, I'm done. <laughs> Shame. We'll get to that one day. We'll get... Shut up, Tom. Sit down. We've had enough. Prayer recalibrates us. You know when your car engine, the timing's out? You know the noise it makes? I don't know what I'm talking about here. I'm just guessing. I'm throwing this out there. But, but it needs to be retuned. It needs to be retimed or whatever it is they do. I don't know. But, but something needs to happen so that it all works in sync again. And We're no different. We need that. We need that. Uh, and also note that Jesus, uh, Paul, sorry, says, be alert. As Peter says, be alert and sober mind. Your devil, the enemy, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour there's a good reason to stay alert. Somebody wants to take you, take your life, stay alert. And he probably had this with his own bitter experience in mind because Jesus said, watch and pray lest you fall into temptation. And then time after time, as Jesus needs his friends the most to pray with him, he keeps going back and they're asleep. And then he wakes them up, pray, watch, do this with me, I need you guys. Goes away, comes back, they're asleep. Uh, and I wonder, had Peter prayed and not fallen asleep, would he have cut off the ear of the soldier? W- would he have gone on to deny Jesus? Had he spent that whole time just soaking in, in, in the presence of God and, and seeking God there? When, when we drop our guard, we're vulnerable. Okay, and it often starts in our mind. Compromise starts in the mind. Temptation is played out in the mind before it becomes an action. And nothing good comes from complacency, right? And then finally, for all the saints, if you read Ephesians again, you'll notice that unity is a major feature. Major feature. Like you and you and you and you, we're supposed to love each other like extremely, like fiercely, protectively, boldly love each other. So pray for those on your left and your right in the shield wall. Pray for those who are fighting the same fight but across the town, 
you know, these other churches that we've got around us. Pray for those who are in the same fight across the whole nation. Pray for those who are in the same fight around the world. Pray for those who face persecution at home and abroad in all its various types. Pray, pray, pray. Pray for those who are easy to love. Pray for those you want to smack in the face. Pray for them all. Pray for everybody. Pray for the ones that you're not even 100% sure whether they're saved or not. Pray for them. Simon, do you want to kind of start getting yourself set up? What, what are you going to pray for each other? Well, here. Pray for blessing. Pray for maturity. Pray for revelation. Pray for intimacy with God. Pray for fellowship with each other. If you're still not sure, go to John 17 and pray Jesus' prayers for each other. If you're still not sure, go to Ephesians 1 and pray Paul's prayers. That he says, like, to, that he prays, he keeps asking that God grant you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Pray that for each other. Pray that for each other. Prayer will change things. And then finally, pray for me. And I'm going I'm to nick that bit there. And I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about leaders. I'm talking about evangelists. I'm talking about missionaries. Pray for me also. If you knew the statistics for pastors and how they've coped over the last 18 months, you'd be shocked. If you knew how many have left, if you knew how many admit that they're facing depression and anxiety, if, if you knew how many, what percentage were saying they don't have a clue what to do next. And, and while some people are celebrating, going, this is amazing, we're seeing a, a great harvest, the majority of pastors are like, I'm burned out, I'm tired. I, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Now, I'm not saying that's me, guys, but pray for me. I need your prayers. The leadership needs your prayers. Let's, um, let's stand together. The key to prayer, guys, is perseverance. You can, you can play, yeah, that's good. All seasons, all manner of prayers, daily, momentarily, uh, momentary, sorry, persistently. And if you fail, if you break the chain, just pick it back up again. There's no condemnation. So if you haven't prayed in a week, a month, a year, 10 years, you can do that now. You can do that today. You can do that in this moment. You can do it when you get home. You can do it in the morning. You can do it when you go to bed or when you wake up in the middle of the night. And it can be a long prayer. It can be, help me, Lord. It can be as simple as Tom. Of Tom. <laughs> Scrub that. It can be as simple as, Lord, help Tom. Help Helen. Help Ev. Help Ron. It can be as simple as that. time you remember everywhere you are out loud in your head and so Simon's playing this I want to read Paul's prayer to you for this reason ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people I have not stopped giving thanks for you remembering you in my prayers and I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know 
the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. And that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion.